Welcome to Moonday Mystic by Modern Mystic Shop, the podcast where we help you harness your intuition, your personal power, so that you can live a magical life. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Moonday Mystic. We have a very special guest with Leslie McAllister. She is the owner of Ceremonial, which is a beautiful uh, witch shop, for lack of a better word, in Pittsburgh. She's a tarot reader, witch, facilitator, healer, just like all around amazing, amazing person. And she's one of my dearest friends. And so this is a sort of inside scoop on some of my witchy friends. Um, And I'm just so glad to have you. Thank you for joining us, Leslie. Oh, just honored to be here. This is so fun. It's so fun. So this is going to be like them listening in on one of our phone calls, maybe. (laughs) It's like, how's it going? (laughs) So I would love to share with the audience how we became friends. Is that yeah. is that cool? We can kind of like jump in. So um, my sister, Jacqueline, lived in Pittsburgh for a long time and she found your store and she loved it and she knew it was like right up my alley. So I went ahead and followed you on Instagram and you followed back. And then I had a cancellation one day and I just posted like I tend to do. It's like, hey, got a cancellation and you snagged it. And I don't think I put it together you know, who you were at that time um, when, when I saw your read, you know, to, to read for you and we really hit it off. And um, I, this is before Modern Mystic. So she's like one of the original sort of new wave of these sorts of stores. And then I, I kind of asked you if I could come teach. Yeah. Yep. That's <laughs> it. That's exactly how it went. And I have to laugh too, because, you know, I had just, I had just opened the shop um, March of 2016. And so when I saw that you posted that cancellation, I put a note on the door and went into the bathroom and had a call. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny when you're really doing it on your own. Like I was too. So, so this is, so for my side, when I actually came to teach and I did some readings and I saw your space, it really fired me up. Like I can do this. And, and what the gift that you gave to me, in addition to just being open and generous, you're very generous spirit. You're always collaborative. So to have another reader come in the space was amazing that you were to offered me to do that. But it it's when I left there, it's like, okay, I'm opening my own thing. Like it gave me the momentum and the belief. So thank you for that. And I remember too, you know, um, standing in the store with you and you were looking around and you're like, I, I can do this. I should do this. I have to do this. You know, it was like, I was present when that was all like showering down upon you, like this realization of what your next step was. So that was pretty big honor for me to, to be there for you as well in that moment. You're forever part of my origin story and, uh, regarding this phase and, Mostly I thank you for it. <laughs> some days, <laughs> some days I'm like, what are we going to do? But, <laughs> but mostly, mostly I thank you for that introduction because, you know, my life has never really been the same since opening this store. I'm wondering how, so how did you come to like this impetus to open? I don't even know if I, ever, if I recall, like how did you open your first iteration of, of your brick and mortar? Um. So... For me, it um, I, I went to school for fashion merchandising. Um, 
I did an internship at a very cute boutique shop in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I, I didn't realize or know I was going to open up a shop. Um, but I would get these little glimmers of this is what you're supposed to do. You know, it kind of would, would, would come in from time to time. And then, um, I was really encouraged um, after graduating from fashion university. Um, you know, I was, I, I, I mean, you can kind of see here right now, you know, I mean, I have tons and tons and tons of clothes and accessories and things. And my partner and I had just moved into a home and he was like, when are you going to start to sell some of this stuff? <laughs> and I was okay. like, Oh, right. So it really started in 2012. I opened up my Etsy shop. It was called Shop Juju's. It was named after my cat, Juju. Um, uh, she's my familiar and um, a huge inspiration to me throughout this entire process. And even when I was in fashion school, I, we were in, we, I had to take a class called product line development and I named, I used her as my inspiration. And I, I, launched this line of like bamboo dresses called Juju. Um, so she was always there for that. And when I had opened up that, it was, it was solely vintage clothing, um, you know, witchy clothes, you know, very free spirited kind of clothing, um, playful, eclectic, maximalist. Um, and I, I started to, as I was like running this business and it was very successful, I really started to feel and hear spirit inspiration come through that was saying there's more. And I could even like, I can name almost the exact day that I was sitting working on my computer, working on my, my vintage clothing business where I could almost hear my future self be like, you've no idea where this is going to take you. And so it just kept evolving and evolving. And then I knew that I wanted to move to Pittsburgh. I, at that time, was living in Erie. I knew I was going to open up a store. I created this three to five year plan for myself. But everything else from there was really kind of open to how exactly was it going to come through? You know, I, I was reading tarot then. I was reading tarot and selling my clothes. I was popping up at events where I was selling my clothes and reading tarot. And uh, I had just been gifted Kim Kranz's Wild Unknown deck before it went viral, before, you know, even went, you know, got published. She was still self-publishing the deck at the time. Um, and we've talked about how that deck yeah. both opened us up, you know. For sure. Um, so... You know, it was really once I had moved to Pittsburgh, I started to see, okay, I'm going to open up this shop that is very Empress inspired, you know, from the Empress. So I wanted to open up a, you know, they say the Empress is very much like shop owner, boutique owner kind of personality trait. So, oh, interesting. you know, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of through the lens of, of the Empress. And so I was like, okay, so I'm going to sell tarot decks. I'm going to sell clothing that you know, the, the wandering witch might wear. Um, I'm going to sell crystals. I'm going to sell candles. I'm going, you know, so I always knew it was going to happen. And so when I first opened, it was a very eclectic shop full of vintage clothes, tarot cards, crystals, 
cleansing bundles, um, ways to clear and cleanse space, all of that kind of stuff. And then over time, it shifts and changes and morphs into, you know, where it goes. And, you know, I'd read Sophia Maruso's book, Girl Boss. Um, it was recommended to me by a bunch of people. And I always loved the way that Sophia would say, I ran this business based on my intuition. Mm-hmm. And that's re- that really stuck with me because that's really how I've approached my business is intuitively, does this feel right? Does this pulling it a card on it. Um, you know, how does this want to move? I can feel spirit speaking to me like it's time to let this go. It's time to move on to this thing. So it's just kind of evolved on its own. And I've just really kind of feel like I've just been the conduit for it and the sort of captain of this ship. I love that. I feel the same way about my business regarding it being like a separate entity that's sort of like a part. It's like not you. It's I liken it to, I don't have children and neither do you, but what I would imagine it might feel like to have a child, right? You create this thing, but then you're not, you are not the thing. And it's your job to be sort of a steward and a guide to have it evolve, right? Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah. And I would say for anybody that's listening that has entrepreneurial pursuits or endeavors, whether it's in the metaphysical space or you're, you know, running your own accounting firm or whatever, I think that's like a truth. I think that anything that you create is of you, but not you. And it's for you to kind of shepherd it to what it wants to become. Yeah. And in the, in the biggest tip that I can, because uh, there have been so many, you know, and you know this, people reach out to you. Hey, Kelly, what do I do? I love what you're doing. I want to get there someday. Hey, Leslie, you know, I'm on this path. What do I do? And, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of people out there that, that want us to provide a step-by-step, which I will never do. And the reason that I will never do that and I say that right up front is because this is your own private journey. You, you know, I can't, what worked for me may not necessarily work for somebody else that wants to do this. So I always say, you have to listen. You just have to listen. And it's vague and nobody likes to hear that answer, but you really yeah. do. You need to listen to how you, you, spirit wants to guide you. You know, you, you need to, of course, you know, I, I went to like small business development centers and that kind of thing to get like the basis, but anything else comes through, through listening to spirit. Yeah, I would agree. I, um, I don't know if I've shared this story in the podcast, but during COVID, I spent some time in my empty store because we had to close for something like 10 weeks and I was in the shop. And luckily for me, when you say, listen, that's my good psychic sense. It's like I can hear things. And I remember just sitting there in the corner and I would just be spending time. I wasn't doing anything in particular, but it just felt like the store was lonely. The shop, you know, was just like used to being bustling full of people. And so I just like visit it. And I heard her say, um, don't worry, people will come back and fill this space more than ever. And that's also part of the listening, right? Like I could have panicked or whatever. And the business was saying, chill, like, it's okay. You know, I'll rebound. And she was right. Like a couple years, like the couple years post COVID were booming. And now we've sort of, we're in a different position, but that's also sort of listening. 
Yeah. It's just really cool. Like you can build a rapport with the energy of your business. Um, how did you get into, for those who are not familiar into like more of the esoteric work that you do? Cause I know you're great at like spell work and you know, you've mentioned tarot, but, uh, how did you, you fall into that? So I guess I'm what folks would call a hereditary witch, um, which means that it's in my family mm -hmm. and um, it's in my bloodline. And it, it, if you ask me, I think it's in everybody's bloodline. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> some, yeah. some, at some point there. But um, my great grandmother was really um, a practitioner as much as she could be, you know, I mean, it was like. Yeah, you know, she 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 kind of came up in in like the 1890s and you know into 1900s and everything like that and um and so you know I think she had to keep it quiet during that period of time to an extent um but she was an astrologer and a reader and she was a spiritualist practitioner which means that she was very much interested in astral travel, out-of-body experience. I don't know if she ever partook in any like seance work or anything like that, which was really big during that, that spiritualism period mm -hmm. of time. But she was very much um, connected to astrology, numerology, tarot reading. Um, and she loved, um, you know, past lives, reincarnation, out-of-body experience. She would tell me a story of walking over um, a grave site in Gettysburg and having a full out-of-body experience and being very conscious of the whole, like rising up out of her body, looking down on the grave, feeling like she had lived that life as a soldier. Um, and she she was very cool. And she, she was the one that um, noticed it in me from the beginning. You know, and I was born in the 70s. It was not very much talked about. To then, you know, mm -hmm. if, if I was talking about seeing shadows or something, I would be placated or, you know, told to not worry or hush up or, you know, don't act out or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I would talk to my grandmother and great grandmother about it. And I would, I would say things like, um, they'd say, how was your day at school? And I would say, um, very, in, you know, I, I had a dream about a girl uh, last night and it came true this morning, you know, in the gym. And my great grandmother would say, I told you, she's got the thing. Um, so she really saw it with me from the beginning. And, and then she passed away when I was eight or nine years old. So I, you know, uh, I, I wish I would have gotten to know her better, but I know she's with me and she left behind one of her tarot books that she put all of her notes into. So I have that. Um, she also wrote an astrology book, which I've shared with you for children, which I've always felt like was a calling for me to complete that task. She and my, my grandfather put together and illustrated this astrology baby book and even took it to publishers in New York City in the 1960s and got as far as they could, but for whatever reason stopped. So I've always felt like it was um, sort of a past baton to me to continue this work. Um, so that's, that's how I came to it. And, you know, and then, you know, like so many of us, we, we question it as we're growing up. Uh, is this wrong? Is this bad? Um, you know, am I going to hell? Uh, 
you know, my parents weren't necessarily religious. I was baptized. I was christened. But um, it was never really pressured upon me, any of that. You know, it was more about being a good person. Um, so, Which yeah. you are. <laughs> Thank you. So then I came to spell work and that stuff later on in life. Like, when, yeah. Got it. So like with your grandmother, was it your maternal or paternal grandmother? Your- it was my paternal great-grandmother. Great-grandmother. Okay, got it. And then I'm curious, did it sort of skip a generation with your dad and like his siblings? Is anyone else in there like interested in this stuff? My dad's an only child. um, Oh, got it. And it was his witchcraft books that I found in his library. Oh, okay. So he, you know, I would not say that my father identified as a witch. I will say he found it unbelievably fascinating as he did all macabre. He would read me stories about witches when I was little. He would read me excerpts from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, We would ghost hunt together. He loved the paranormal. He took me to see Ghostbusters in the theater when it first came out in the 80s. You know, he was really, you know, we've always talked about spirits and spirituality and soulmates and out-of-body experience and reincarnation. And, you know, he's passed on. So, you know, we're we're, you know, trying to communicate with different words and signs and everything. And that was kind of our promise to one another when he mm. passed. Um, but it, I will say this, like my grandmother, so my great grandmother had two children, Howard and Beverly. Um, and Beverly was not interested in this at all. <laughs> She's very like, very, um, I think the best way to describe her was very Jackie Onassis. Um, But her brother Howard was an incredible poet and was also a very skilled hypnotist and believed very much in a lot of this kind of work. And so, yeah, so it may have skipped over her and kind of touched on my father a little bit and then landed on me. Um, But my brother and sister are also very much into it. Yeah. I just want to mention, I don't think that you noticed, and I don't know if it's going to show up in the podcast um, when this is all recorded, but when you were talking about your father, you froze like during that part, like at the very end, it like you froze and then it just picked up and I heard you say the name Beverly. And I just feel like that was your dad. Just like, did, did you see it freeze on your side? No, I didn't. Yeah. I was like, oh, as soon as you froze, I was like, oh, that's what this is. Um, Cool. <laughs> oh, he he would. Lo- I'm sure he's here. He loves this. You know, yeah, just it. just don't uh, mess it up so much that we can't get a clean recording, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's so cool. I love that you were introduced to it, and it was you know as much as you you had to go through everyone's rite of passage of like making it right in your own mind. But it's nice to hear that you were sort of introduced to the stuff and. You know, I grew up Catholic and growing, you know, growing up Catholic and then looking back on the fact that like, you know, my mom wouldn't say she's a witch, but she definitely would bury a statue of St. Joseph upside down in the backyard to try to sell a house. You know what I mean? So it's like there are ways in which I think this magic is has been obviously like hidden through like Christian iconography and different rituals that with across the board to like you where you're hiding in plain sight, you know, and even the people as it gets passed down might not even realize that it's hiding in plain sight because they're just taught. This is how you pray to, you know, 
whatever, St. Joseph. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, oh, well, thank you for sharing all of that. I'm, I'm, I love, I love hearing your story and I love learning from you and which I get to do as a, as a friend and seeing how you've sort of integrated and woven these pieces into your own practice and how, you know, I've, I guess we've been friends now for probably eight years or so, I would imagine. So yeah. just to see how that, how that has evolved for you, because you also strike me as a perpetual student. It feels oh, like you're, you're always learning and, and and progressing and, and, you know, refining your practice, which is really beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I pride myself on, um, constantly challenging myself and practicing and learning and learning from as many people as I can being read by as many people as I can. I, I think it's, it's something that, that we owe to, our customers, to our clients, um, to the folks that follow us, you know, like if we can perpetually be a student, it's also saying like, like I could never say, uh, I, I, let me rephrase. I have difficulty saying I'm an expert on things because I just, I just feel like there's, you probably know this is the second that you think you really truly understand something, it shifts or it changes or Mm -hmm. a new layer of yourself emerges or, something else becomes clear in your consciousness that you hadn't considered before. So yeah, I mean, I'm a professional student, I guess. you could. Yeah. I love that about you. I love that about you. Hey, this is not on the list of questions, but I'm just going to throw this question out there and you can bypass it or catch it. So this is something that I'm struggling with. Um, and maybe you can, you know, relate to, which is as I'm learning these new practices, what of it is meant just for me to become an expert at and deepen. And then in the positions that we are as teachers and as purveyor of products and introducing people into things, how do you know what's to share for the general public and then what's to be kept just for you? Or how do you know when it's ready, like you've mastered it enough to share it with your community? You cut out just a little bit, and I think okay. I think I understood what you said, but I just want to be clear, so I'm going to rephrase it back to you. Sure, sure, sure. How do I know, like after doing all of you know my personal work, how do I know when to share it? Yeah, or, or if to share it, like, or mm-hmm. if it's just for you. And you know, I'm a big believer in some things are just secrets. Yeah, you know. Some things yeah. are just for you. And I, my, my dear, sweet, like sidekick, right side brain, you know, Chris has, has shared this with me too. Some things are just for you. And, and it's true. Um, some things that I have learned are really just like I don't give all of it away. Um, and it's not gatekeeping. It's just simply that some things are just for me. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if I've learned something new and I, f- and I feel like, okay, I'll ask, like, is this something that can be shared with folks? And, you know, if they say yes, then I, I like to get to a place where I have really worked with it. I've tested it. Um, and these, you know, w- w- the things that, that we're talking about are like, you know, either information that I've dreamt about or, you know, information that I've 
physically received, right? Because we also receive spiritual teachings like in mm -hmm. the astral realm. Um, and then we also receive like physical where we go and we pay a teacher and we, you know, learn something new. Um, so I, I always ask consent and permission in both areas. Is this something that I can share? Is this something that um, needs to remain just for me for now? Is this something that needs more time to percolate? Is this something that, um, yeah, and I usually do, like I, I'm a big believer in like a, a year and a day. You know, ah, kind of I love that. Through that yeah. year, year and a day. And and then also too, like I feel like I have to work through things um personally to experience like my own um findings. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's a great answer. So we it took me a while to get there, but the main reason why I wanted to have you on is to talk about, you know, you talked about your origin story and how you kind of were in the fashion world and fashion merchandising and selling vintage and then mixing it with sort of this lifestyle of being a mystic and a witch. So I want to talk to you about fashion magic because I don't know much about this. So first of all, can you just define like how, what's your take on what it is? And then let's, let's get into that topic. Yeah. Well, fashion magic for me is, you know, allowing the body to become an altar and adorning the body with intention through clothing, accessories, um, and you know, even makeup or not makeup, you know, um, so that's in and, and, and so it's basically like I'm creating a spell with what I put on. Got it. Um and you know, this comes by way of the colors I choose to wear, the prints that I choose to wear, the jewelry. Um, you know, and some for me I've gotten to a point where everything that I have chosen. I've chosen out of joy. I've chosen with magical intent. Um, and so I can kind of close my eyes and just grab and know that what I'm grabbing now is, is, is already sort of predetermined, like sort of predetermined in a way, because I've taken the time to like cleanse it, choose it, bless it, purify it, all that kind of stuff. But it is just magically adorning your body and utilizing your body as an altar space. Can you tell me a little bit about all those steps that you just like breezed through? Because people don't know it. So you choose it, cleanse it, bless it, wear it. Is that the four steps <laughs> or something like that? You just said it like everyone does this. <laughs> they don't. They probably no. do more so than they than they realize. But um, so I guess to kind of break it down as as easily and clearly as I can, the the first and for the, the, the first um, truth that I come by is that um, I try 90% of the time to everything that I own is pre-loved, secondhand, vintage, consignment, however you want to say that, you know, it's, it's sustainable. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to, um, buy anything that's brand new all, all the time. And of course, like my undies are brand new and like, you know, sometimes a pair of shoes is brand new, but for the most part, I would say 90% of the time, everything that I have is pre-loved. 
Um, and then from there, I kind of do an inner checklist with myself, you know, um, and I will utilize like, okay, what's my sign? You know, what are, what are my big three? I'm a Gemini sun, a Gemini moon and a Leo rising. So I'm a lot of air and a lot of fire. Um, so then I kind of break down to the magical correspondences of Gemini and Leo or air and fire. And I break deck a lot of like table of contents or magical correspondence tables that you can find. Like Gemini is known for lavender and yellow colors. So I start there like, okay, how do these colors look and feel on me? Do I feel connected to these colors? Um, so I kind of, I start there. And then I also kind of pay attention to where am I in my life? Like right now I'm wearing a lot of green because I'm doing a lot of heart healing. So I'm connecting in with, you know, the heart energy center, which radiates this beautiful sort of green, Kelly green, emerald green color. So I call a lot of that in. Like I have this like snake green snake print on because I identify with the snake. So I look at my astrological sign. I look at what, you know, um, animal energies I feel connected to, like the snake, like the cat, like the panther, like the leopard. Um, I connect into celestial correspondences that I feel connected to. I feel, you know, I love the moon, so I wear a lot of moon jewelry. I love the sun, so I call in those celestial correspondences in that way. If I'm, you know, working with Venus energy, I'll connect in with the colors of Venus, which are usually that red and pink and the, you know, the pearl energy. So, you know, I kind of think of it that way. Where am I at spiritually? Mm -hmm. What am I calling okay. in magically? Do you ever do the opposite? So I just was thinking about what you said, and I've noticed the past couple of years that I've been gravitating more towards earth tones. Like I'm wearing brown and olive green and just like clay colors. And I've got a lot of water and fire in my chart, but I'm wondering if I've been choosing like more earthy grounding colors because that might that's a deficit in my in my chart for now. Does that work that way? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, if, if it is, like you said, if you're feeling like you're needing more connection to the earth and more grounding, that is a great way to connect with it that way too, is just to like call it in by adorning yourself, wearing that color, choosing that color. Um, so, and, and actually a lot of times if you are like, I've heard it said like, um, Allison from Moon Nectar just released her incredible color oracle deck, mm -hmm. uh, which is just a really great place to start, like color therapy, seeking any books on color, which there's so much, so many great books on color right now. Um, that's a great way to start to look through it. And Allison says a lot of the times the color that you don't love is the color you need. Yeah, the have. medicine. Yeah. yeah. That's always the way, like eat your veggies, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, you're right. That's like if there's a deficit, like working with that deficit to call that, that 
grounding energy in, or if you're too grounded, working more with that like air energy, the light, the sky blue colors and any of like the, the, I always feel like the upper registers, your purples and, and blues and greens and indigos. Hmm. So do you think that um, people are, if they were to pay attention, like someone's listening now and they might not know all the magical correspondences that you've mentioned, but they might notice themes and colors and prints. Would that be a good way to start? Like what they're already intuitively adorning themselves with and kind of seeing what that might mean for them? Yeah, I do. And I think, I think your greatest teacher is what brings you the most joy. You know, mm. if you're seeing a, if, if you're seeing a print, like for example, a floral print, and maybe you've never been connected to any sort of a floral print. Maybe you've always been somebody that's more plaids or just, you know, blacks and browns. All of a sudden you're starting to sense like, wow, I'm really feeling this like pull to a floral print. It's almost like, like go with that. Because I feel like over time, you're going to start to see how you're maybe being pulled into this empress era where you're feeling more connected to that earth energy, that garden energy, where you are kind of tuning more into this like Venusian Venus kind of connection. Mm -hmm. And then that opens up more and more because a lot of how I've come to this is by being spirit led. Mm -hmm. You know, it really is... Um, it 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 is more of a feeling than an ideology. I mean, it certainly is an ideology, but it comes by the way of a very free flow, feel, know, like clear sentient, clear cognizant frame of mind. Like this just mm -hmm. feels right, or this I just know this to be true for me. Like, and the, and the other thing too that I've kind of come to find out is that. I'll find myself beginning to gravitate towards a color that I never would have picked up. And I'm and I'll see how that, like, for example, when I first moved to Pittsburgh, I was started to wear all of these blues, these sky blues, a lot of denim. I would wear like blue denim from head to toe. And then I started realizing oh, this is really connected to my throat center. And I'm doing a lot of talking and communicating and connecting with people. And then I just sort of naturally grew out of that blue and started coming into more of these like lavender purpley colors where I was becoming more connected into my intuition and my spirituality was becoming more and more and more prominent. So you almost start to see yourself cycling through. Now I'm into these like green colors and it isn't, it's just like, it's a kind of, it is a flow. It's, it is, I think the challenge for me is in explaining it because it really is a free flowing kind of experience. But yeah. I think, when we, I think as mystics and witches and seers, we're all very much committed to this self-awareness inner work. And so the more that you're tuned into your inner commitment and your inner work, you're going to start to see how the patterns are um, sort of laying the groundwork or the bricks forward for you. There is this sort of path that starts to unfold. And if you're somebody who is really great at journaling, taking notes, sort of being your own scientist and creating these hypotheses for yourself, you'll start to see how this stuff starts to make itself aware to you. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
And that goes with all areas of life, right? If you just start, it's like the self-psychology piece of the magic where you actually pay attention to yourself and try to figure out what makes you tick and how how you work. And when you were talking about pre-loved, I'm curious about your thoughts, if any, about because um, you said clearing and pre-love. So I'm wondering, like, if you believe that other people's energy that loved it, you know, do you want that? Do you not want that? And like, what is your process regarding regarding that? I love this. I love this so much because I'm such like, again, just about everything in my house is is vintage or secondhand. Um, so for me, I... I have a couple of things to share with that. That's kind of interesting. But for me, um, yeah, I mean, when I get an item into my house, I immediately clean it. Uh, like, you know, just like, you know, like physically in, in, you know, launder it. And then I clear it with incense or smoke to okay. kind of release any energy that might be attached to it. But I always can feel like, I, and, and then there's a lot of trust that I have that that with that as well, like, um, I'll get a feeling from something when I see it and then I'll listen, is this for me or is it not for me? And I kind of trust that when it's being delivered, it's, it's for me. Um, but I'm always cleansing and clearing items with sacred smoke and I'm always cleansing and clearing my closet with sacred smoke. And some people, I have not done this, but I have also, um, you know, like any items, like jewelry items, sometimes burying them in the earth for mm -hmm. a sort of a moon cycle or um, putting them in a bowl of salt. I've seen people do this as well. I haven't, I haven't had the need to do any of those things yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're bringing other people's energy into your space. Um, and so I do, I, I feel very firm in physically laundering the item and then energetically clearing yeah. the item as well. For jewelry, what I love to do, I do it every night is I have a selenite bowl and I have a selenite slab. So I love just to keep my jewelry that I'm wearing in those sort of self-cleaning mechanisms, you know, even with my, you know, my own stuff that's new to me, that's kind of my ritual with, with some of that stuff too. I love that too. We do this um, in our moon circles at the studio when we're casting a circle. I always invite people to put their sacred jewelry on mm. the altar space to kind of be cleansed and charged as we're going through circle as well too. That's yeah. also like a really great way to infuse it. For sure. So for me, I've been less experienced with the clothing aspect as far as like more consciously um, – you know, selecting things, but jewelry, I am very specific about. And I believe like what I choose to do is like every piece is a talisman for a, like a magical purpose. And it's very intentional for whatever reason, I feel so strongly about the jewelry part of, part of things. Um, do you have a similar experience or are you like, I don't know. I mean, you seem to be very intentional with all of it. Do you have like a special place in your heart for jewelry or is it just part of the whole mix? Oh, I've got, yeah, <laughs> I sure do. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, back in the day, that's, that's like in, in terms of like history of dress, that's, that's how, um, you know, they would call in their power was by wearing sacred jewels. And, mm -hmm. you know, there were, 
you know, a lot of amethysts and, and emeralds and such in crowns to signify one's power and one's placement. Um, you know, and, and so that's really like how it's, you know, jewelry started to come to play was that they started to realize that the power of these stones had even more significance when you would wear them. And so that's how we started to have like diamond rings and amethyst necklaces and, you know, big, huge jade necklaces that would hang right at the heart space or big emerald, you know, pieces like, you know, the crown jewels and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of that began as an understanding that there was great purpose and power when you would wear the stones instead of having them nearby. And so, yeah. And, and, you know, you can charm your amulets, you can charm your talismans as well so that they hold um, a higher vibration of protection and power while wearing them. So, yeah. And, you know, again, I like a lot of the stuff that I wear will will be aligned with, you know, I wear a lot of snake jewelry because I feel very connected to snake energy. So I always have a snake ring or snake earrings or snake bracelets on. Um so in, in like protection stones and one of my very first experiences with the power of black tourmaline was when I was wearing it as a necklace and it protected me during an altercation. That was one of the first moments, you know, even before I was, was really, uh, where I, before I had the shop or anything like that, where I was really practicing with it, that I, I, I was taught, you know, through experience yeah. that these things, they really do hold power. Yeah. Um, I love that too. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, I mean, just so now it's like everything I put on is celestial in nature or spiritual in nature. Yeah. I'm the same way. And also I would add, yes, the stones for me, it's like citrine on my Jupiter finger is like always there. I love, um, I love those sort of things. And also for me, for whatever reason, gold, like actual gold, not even just like the gold color. I'm obsessed with it. And I just feel like when I wear gold, it creates like a gold tipped aura. Like that's how I imagine it. Like my auric field being just like encased with this gold shimmer that makes me feel very radiant. Um, and then also just to add to the conversation regarding jewelry, I'm very particular about earrings too, because I believe in that arc line, like our halo, and you can like infuse like that very powerful, sensitive part of our, um, you know, like our, our own halo and amplify that. So I, that would be a whole other conversation of like where to place these little adornments. Like you are the altar, like you mentioned, like, and, um, having like the specific placements for the gems and the gold and whatever it is that resonates. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting that you say that too, just about the gold, because I, I mean, I've always been, I've always been more of a gold person, but I had a, a, a woman come in and she was reading tea leaves and she said she always loved to wear silver because she said the spirits love silver which I always thought was so interesting. And because I've always just been such, just so much more connected to gold, which yeah. I feel is like such a protective energy. But she, yeah, she said she always, she said the spirits really loved the, the, the silver tones, which I feel well, is very connected to moon energy. Yeah, that's what I was saying. To me, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Silver feels moon to me, so maybe that's that that's the vibe. Um, 
Oh, this is so cool. Uh, so let me ask you the difference or if there is any, is there a difference between fashion magic and glamour magic or is it a subset? Like how would you delineate that? Yeah, I love this question. I think this is really fascinating to kind of chat about because um, there are a couple really great glamour magic uh, books out there. And the one that I was just recently reading uh, really talked more about makeup, hair, you know, body jewelry in that kind of way. They didn't really touch upon clothing, prints, colors, and that kind of thing. Um, for me, I think they go hand in hand um, because I feel like, you know, glamour is, you know, it's, it is this sort of glamouring, this shape shifting, this shielding in a way, um, you know, presenting a, 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 you know, another, not really, not even mask, although it really kind of is a mask. It's not that you're necessarily masking, but you are shifting form, you know? Um, and so I, I believe that they really go hand in hand, glamour mm -hmm. magic and, and fashion magic. They do feel very interchangeable to me. Um, so, but I, I mean, I suppose even when saying that, like fashion does, it just fashion magic just feels very much like an altar space to me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me because you are. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. I love the correlation between an altar and your body uh, and adorning it in that kind of way and making the altar and the body connection. I also have said something similar, and I wonder if you agree, about our stores, like my physical space and why people are like, well, you could just have a shop online. And it's like, yes, and this is an altar space. This is anchoring, you know, our work in a 3D, very tangible way. So I do, I think I understand the core, the difference. It's like the, between the fashion and like using your body as an altar and then the glamour is like a coating almost. It's like painting the wall or something as opposed to like hanging up the pictures on the wall, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So another question I want to ask you about this. So like, do you consider scents like, like perfumes, essential oils, floral, whatever is, is that, a, is that another layer to this fashion magic or is that something, is that something else? And how do you, if at all, use scents in this process? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think it's, I think when you work to find a powerful scent that speaks to you, it makes that whole vibration of what you're casting out there even more potent. Um, and so for me, it, it's, it, I've taken a lot of time to find the things that feel most connected to me. And a lot of it is usually like a vetiver, patchouli base, um, which are very grounding and especially being like such a high air energy, it's important for me to be as grounded. So I'm always focused on wearing very wood scented mm. items, even um, for being somebody that like connects very deeply to the, the flower of rose. I don't wear rose scents ever. You know, I'm always going to wear something that's a little bit more resin focused or 
ceremonial in in sort of like I'm, I think of like frankincense or myrrh, or you know even um, there's like a like a deep like sandalwood scented things that are going to like really ground and anchor. So that's kind of always been my experience with it. That when I'm wearing that that sort of like I need something that's going to ground all of the mm-hmm. energy. And then I also want somebody to recognize my scent. It's I it's something that people have told me for years and years and years that I have a very specific scent <laughs> that they can smell me coming or they um you know if if I've mailed something to them they smell me on it. If I've taken something like I took some paintings in for my friend to frame and she's like these smell like you. You know, so it's so funny because it's scent is such a um, such a huge part of it. I believe, um, yeah. If not one of one of the the pinnacle parts of it, like one of the most important parts of it, is scent, which I find so fascinating because, I mean, it really does help to like protect the auric field, but then also anchor and ground your energy as well. Yeah. I just recently got into more like perfumey scents. I used to do more like essential oils. And then a couple of years ago, my boyfriend came back from a trip and he brought me this little sampler pack of these little perfumes. And I was smelling them and I wasn't reading their names. And I was like, this one, I smelt it. I was like, this is it. Turns out he had already bought me the full bottle. Like he knew that that would be the one. And it was named Empressa. And I was like, of course. And so it doesn't do the exact same thing as you were saying. I don't think the ingredients are probably grounding or protecting or anything like that. But it's that it was the year of the Empress for me. It was like what I was calling in. And I tend to like not lean into the feminine. And so for me, it's like that scent reminds me like, okay, you're a woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's to get in your feminine, you know, and it, it makes me and, you know, he likes the scent, which also helps with, like, connection and the alchemy between us. He's like, ooh, you smell great, you know? So it's it's fun to play with scents. I used to be so sensitive to them that it was hard for me. But for whatever reason, finding that one, it just feels like – feels so nice, like a nice ritual. Like, an, um, yeah, I feel luxurious. You know, this work is sensual work. Yeah, that's true. It's really sensual work. And that goes to not just like it is, it's, it's smell, it's touch and texture, it's, you know, color and the, the vibrancy of color and the way that you're putting things together, you know, um, to me, it's, it's also like beyond the fact that it's, it's a magical practice for me, it's a deeply artistic practice for me too. Mm. It's, it's, it's the biggest way that I express myself. And, and I think like with being able to express yourself, that's, that's where the energy comes from, you know, feeling like this is who I am. So I, I I really believe like the, at the heart of fashion magic is who are you? Mm. What do you Mm. love? And if you couldn't say anything to a person what would you want them? How would you want them to read read you like a book? I mean, I know we live in a world where we don't want to. You know, we're you know, we we know that judging one another is is not appropriate, but also creating a message of love and warmth with what I'm wearing and approachability 
is is a big important part for me. So if if I'm not sharing anything and somebody's looking at me, I want them to to know who I am based on what I've choose to put on my body. Yeah, and- I love that. I love that. That's really true. It's it sends signals, right? It's not a judgment. It's not like a beautiful or not beautiful or subjective. It's just it's an energy. It's a vibe, right? And that's what we're talking about, vibration and energy, really. It it brings people together too, Kelly. It's like when I dress and I feel good about what I have on and this, you know, I'm pretty maximalist in my style. I, I utilize a lot of what I've come to understand is power print clashing or power clashing, I guess there's oh, a right, right. <laughs> but what, what makes it so special for me is like, it really brings people together. I have so many people that come up during the day that are like, oh my God, I love your outfit. And then we start having a great conversation. Right. Or like a piece, like, oh my gosh, tell me about that ring or whatever. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I'm the kind of person that's like, I got it here. Or this is, or, you know, I got it from this maker or I, you know, go support this awesome you know, thrift shop down the street. So it creates this conversation. And, you know, I'm also the first person to go up to somebody and be like, I love your shoes. It just, I just feel like it creates softness and tenderness and camaraderie and connection. And in, in it, I don't know, it, it helps me to feel safe. Yeah. I love that. And I do that too. Oddly in New York, and my go-to thing, especially if I'm walking alone, if I see a woman, because the people look awesome here, that looks great. Even if she's passing by, I'm like, you look great. Nice outfit. Just like in passing. Just like, it's like my little go girl, high five, you know, uh, you know, because you know, you can tell when someone was intentional about what they wear and you can, and it's like, I love to recognize that in another woman, like you look awesome. Great. You know, good luck, you know? Yeah. Um, so we've been talking a lot about this and it seems very geared towards women. Um, I'm sure we've got some lovely gentlemen listening in if they're hung in this long about this topic. Do you have any advice for men to how to integrate this? I, I do think historically they're a little more boxed in with you know, fashion, how, how would you invite a man to participate? Same way, same way, you know, um, I guess, you know, it's the same, what, what colors do you feel connected to? Where do you feel a deficit in your life? What is your sign? How do you feel connected to that? Um, what tarot cards do you feel connected to? Uh, what prints do you feel connected to? What periods of history do you feel most mm. connected to? Um, you know, what makes you feel safe? What makes you feel comfortable? Because I think I think at the basis of all of this is too, like, again, you know, what makes you, when you feel safe and you feel comfortable and you feel grounded in your practice, then you're able to show up more freely and fully as who you are. And, and that goes for anybody, you know, Um, and I have seen some, like, I follow some really incredible, um, even, you know, male and female or non-binary folks on TikTok who, you know, dress to, you know, to the most max and some folks that dress to the most minimal and everybody does it in such a way that, you know, this is who they are at their core. This is the thing that brings them the greatest joy. And when you're set in a moment of being in your greatest joy, then you're you're vibrating at your highest possible. And that really is kind of the name of the game here is, 
is we're, we're trying to get our soul, our energy body to vibrate at its, its highest possible point. Um, because once that's happening, then, you know, our cells are regenerating and we're putting the sign out to other people that we're meant to attract to us and the connections that we're supposed to have. And, um, and when we're vibrating at our highest point, then we're also beginning to heal and every step we take can also heal the earth and, and mm -hmm. healing the earth and everything begins to regenerate. So I feel like it's just this this point in which we're trying to get our vibration to be raised to its highest potential. Yes. Amen. I feel like that's what we're all up to in every kind of magic and every kind of way and every breath and moment. It's, you know, I, I, I reconnected with that purpose again recently with talking about our business. And it's like, sometimes I get to the place where I'm like, what am I really trying to do here? And at the end of the day, we're just trying to create more harmony on this planet. I think all of us within our, and you do it from within yourself. And, and then that's, that's how you have that sort of butterfly effect to others and impact others. hundred percent. You are all little, little rippling out, you know, we're all just trying to, like you said, beautifully, we're all just trying to bring more harmony in. And it, that harmony starts with what brings the most joy to us. Yeah. And you know, a quote I saw somewhere was like, if it makes you happy or it brings you joy, it never goes out of style. And that includes your, your home, your clothes. If it really makes you happy, it's, it's timeless. It's, it's, it's just so beautiful. Um, so what I would like to invite, so I'm just going to say my two cents about this, this sort of journey that I've gone through with my personal style is that, um, something that I do. And since we're at the end of the year, kind of, is I look and see what that tarot archetype that's associated to my year is. And then I do find myself sort of seeing how I can let that influence my wardrobe because it's an energy that I'm trying to amplify that year. And so, you know, a few years ago it was the Empress and that was the the biggest challenge for me was to step more into feminine dress, be feeling sexy, more makeup, because that's what made me feel sexy, florals, whatever. And I would just like to invite you guys, you know, she said, you know, it's about who you are. But who you are is also evolving. And I would just invite you to experiment. And sometimes it feels a little weird. And at first, you know, I, you know, I used to be like a flannel PJs type of girl. And then I went into my empress phase. And now all I wear are like silk slips and like little robes around the house. And that's stuck. Like, and you know, not all of it stuck with me during that experimental phase, right? Like, and maybe when I'm out in the world, I want to be more like less in that empress energy, but at home like, you know, creating like my space with my partner and cooking and whatever. That's what I like to wear. So if you don't know who you are and you don't know your style, I would take some of these tips that Leslie has given you and experiment and be okay to feel strange or weird and like use what you don't like to also kind of inform what you do like if you don't know. Uh, cause it's, it, for me, it's, it expanded my nervous system. Like it expanded my capacity to transform and change. And it's also like a really tangible way to sort of mile mark some of your internal evolution by like the external way that, way that you carry yourself. What would you say to that? Any, any other advice? I think that's so great. I mean, it really, it really is 
you know, I mean, I've, I've been on this planet for a little while now, so I've, I've had time to play around with this. Um, but you know, and it does require a lot of trial and error, but there's almost like, for me, not a lot. I mean, it hasn't really changed. I've always been like this, you know, I've always Mm -hmm. really kind of been eccentric dresser. I've been known for being an eccentric dresser. Um, it's definitely refined as I've gotten older, but I think that like the most fun part about it is the trial and error, right? Yeah. Like you said, you used to be flannel PJs. Now you love these silks, right? Like you, you, you do kind of like, just like our tastes change. You might not have liked green olives as a kid, but maybe you love them now. Your style is going to change too. And, you know, one of the things I, one of the questions you see, you know, um, had shared with me too in, in the email, which I thought was so awesome. is like, how does your style evolve as you evolve spiritually, which is mm-hmm. a huge process too. You know, things are going to shift and change as your, your vibration is changing and your wisdom is changing. You're going to see that you're more inclined to different styles. Like right now, so many folks I know, like you know, they, they want to just have natural fabrics. They want their silks and they want their nice cottons and linens and those kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, I think it just really, it stems to like, also, what are your values? You know, some people mm-hmm. are, are, you know, yeah, I only do natural fabrics. I only do, you know, no fast fashion, that kind of stuff. So I think it like start with your values and then go to the other parts of you that, that bring you great joy. And then it, it just, it like expands that. Yes. I love it. So, so we usually end, um, we wrap things up with a little exercise or tip or something that a tool that people can take with them. So regarding this fashion magic topic, is there something you'd like to punctuate this with or a little activity? What do you think? Well, my most favorite thing of all, (laughs) a great experiment for y'all to do to get into who am I? Who am I going to be in 2024? What is this next version or era of myself that I'm moving into? Um, invest in some magazines. Maybe you could even go to your like local recycle place. We've got an awesome recycle place here that has a lot of magazines that you can go get for maybe a quarter. Um, go pick up a handful of magazines and create some kind of a vision board. It's so fun to flip through magazines. This is how I got to where I am anyways, is is growing up with a a bunch of magazines around all the time. So the joy of flipping through magazines, or if you don't want to do that and you love Pinterest, I have fallen completely in love with Pinterest again. Make a board on your Pinterest, you know, who I want to be in 2024 and just fill it with all these images of what pleases you, even if it's the last thing you could ever imagine yourself wearing, if it's something that brings you joy in the moment, then earmark it, you know, make, bring, bring note of it and then begin to build this, this, um, you know, pure image of yourself, you know, this, this true image of how you see yourself like at your soul. Um, and then just kind of begin to, to wander around with that. Like, when I say wander around, like just maybe when you're window shopping, notice, oh, that's something that's come into my attention. You'll start to see like the things that you've put out there or you've flipped through the magazine and you've gone through your Pinterest board. You'll start to see how they're showing up for you. And that's when spirit's like, yes, this is, this mm. is for you. You know, create 
that relationship with your guides, with spirit and say, hey, I'm ready to kind of be more intentional with how I'm dressing, create more of an altar on my body, help me to bring the things to me that are mine, help me to know what is for me, um, you know, and, and see how spirit wants to interact in this practice with you as well. That's so fun. And it's so good to do this at this time of year when we're sort of capping off one year and we're visioning forward. I think that's that's wonderful. And I often, around the solstice, I take people through this future self sort of meditation. So I would also say it'd be nice before you did that to sit and sort of invite your future self in. You know, what did, what did they have to say? Like, see if you can embody that and and look through those eyes of, of who you're becoming uh, and your wardrobe will be there to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, they always say, you know, be, be, be the, be the main character in your life. Mm. And, you know, this is part of your, you know, your set design main, or your costume design yeah. as well. <laughs> main character energy. <laughs> right. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. How do people find you and like what services are you offering for people locally, but also people worldwide that might listen to this podcast? Yeah, so you can uh, find me at ceremonialshop.com. Um, we have this store all online. Um, you can find me on social media at ceremonial underscore shop on TikTok and Instagram. And yeah, that's what well, services. Um, yeah. I are you booked? Tarot, are you booked up for, for 2024? Do you have spaces for readings? I have spaces available. Yep. I do theme of the year readings, which people love to do. Those will start in January. Um, it's always a favorite for a lot of folks. So I'll do the theme of the year readings. And I also do a lot of intuitive channeling for folks where I kind of see, um, I see them in, you know, different, eras of their life too, past mm. or, you know, future eras of their life. Um, and, um, yeah, so any of my services you can find online. I also do, um, sort of spiritual awakening sessions and I also do, uh, ritual design, um, for folks if they're looking to kind of create a ritual or are new to creating rituals. I walk them through things that will be most helpful for them. And we co-create something that feels really manageable. That's beautiful. And I've had Leslie read for me um, officially. I've had Leslie read for me unofficially when I'm freaking out and I'm just going to need a phone a friend, text a friend. And she is always deeply insightful, direct, but very compassionate. And it's like a soft place to land while someone's telling you the truth. <laughs> you know? Thank yeah, you. you're so welcome. Well, thanks for joining. I hope everyone is so pumped to reevaluate their closet for 2024 <laughs> and design. This is part of how you design and manifest your life. I mean, this is a very practical, this is a, in a way like a practical magic too. So thank you so much for all these tips. And I hope you guys join us again uh, next week. Every Monday, we'll be dropping a new Moonday Mystic episode. So make sure you subscribe, you rate, review, share with friends and go follow Leslie and uh, make sure you sign up for a reading or service. You'd be missing out if you don't. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much, Kelly. Bye. Thank you for listening to Moonday Mystic by Modern Mystic Shop. Moonday Mystic is hosted and created by Kelly Knight, produced by Ariel Duncan, and inspired by magical listeners like you. 